It's good morning, family. Good morning, family. I'm just reminded it was so cool. I woke up this morning and the song, um, I Need You, Oh, I Need You, was in my spirit. How many, how many feel like you need him, man? It's so good. It's so good. Um, I, uh, I, got, I came here. I flew here. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself first, just by way of introduction, since this is the first time many of you have met me. Um, I'm actually a, a U.S.-based missionary. Um, God radically uh, called me. I was a corporate finance attorney in the 90s, living in the top floor of a building and driving a Beamer and basically living as God in my own life. And Jesus came and met me there in a very powerful way uh, back in 2003. And I was in the marketplace for a couple years. And then he pulled me out of the marketplace. I got this crazy instruction. Actually, my wife got it first uh, to sell everything and follow Jesus. Um, you guys know that that's crazy unless you read your Bible. But he's actually doing these things, like in our generation. He's actually calling people in radical ways. And so we sold everything and, and uh, left, left the marketplace. And for the last 14 years or so, I've been basically assigned to come and partner with the Lord to evangelize the lost and to evangelize the church to the heart of God. And so uh, it's such an honor to be here today. I'm so glad the Lord opened up this opportunity to be with you guys. Um, I was in New York City yesterday. Um, I flew from Minneapolis to New York at about 8 o'clock, I think, on Friday night. Got in around midnight. Um, went to equip and train a group of believers in New York City. By the way, they, the believers in New York send their greetings. You know we're everywhere? <laughs> so awesome. We're everywhere. It's amazing. So um, I was with them. They're from a bunch of different churches all over New York City, and they're going through an eight-week intensive called Messenger Boot Camp that's basically designed to take us from two hours on a Sunday to walking in a lifestyle of intimacy and mission with the Lord. Did you know this thing's bigger than two hours on a Sunday? It sure is. I mean, this is an amazing time for us to come together as a family, and we need to do this. We need to be under anointed teaching. But the, the main part of, of kingdom living is out there, uh, walking it as lifestyle 24-7. That's why I'm here, because there's a lot of people in Los Angeles that don't know Jesus. And the main way that people who don't know Jesus find out about him is through people who do. Did you know that? Go with me to Romans chapter 10. Grab your Bibles. Let's look at Romans chapter 10, and then I'll come back to my New York story. <clears throat> Give me an amen when you're there. Okay, we got a smattering of amens. I don't know if we have a critical mass yet. All right, we're going to start in Romans chapter 10. Listen to this, starting in verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody say everyone. Everyone, everyone means everyone. <laughs> That's what the Greek says too, and the Aramaic. 
it says everyone. In the Hebrew, it says everyone because God's heart is that every man, woman, and child would have a real opportunity to come back home. And so he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who acknowledges their need and their dependence on God will be saved. He'll come through. He's faithful like that. But listen to this in verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them? How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? That makes sense. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? That makes sense. If you've never heard about someone, you can't call on them to save you. If you don't know the phone number, you're not going to be able to dial it, right? But then it says this. Listen to this, church. And it says, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Whoa. That's deep, actually. So what, what Romans 10 is telling us is that God is not going to do this without us. That he's actually designed and ordained that he's going to reveal his glory to pre-believers, to the world, through weak and broken people just like us. <laughs> Which is crazy, right? It's crazy. Turn to somebody and go, as scary as it is, you're the 18. <laughs> Come on, touch them. Touch them. Actually, touch them. Tell them. All right, we're going to get a little interactive here this morning. Right? This isn't a spectator sport. This is full, full activation into the church. So what's amazing here is, is, and this is what has the principalities and powers baffled. They're saying, how could the Genesis 1 uncreated God submit himself to his own word and submit himself to the reality that he's not going to reveal himself except through weak and broken people like these human beings? that are so easily deceived and so easily manipulated. And yet that is his plan. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, but at, when, when, when the Israelites were at the Red Sea and God was getting ready to reveal his glory to the not only the nation of Egypt, but to the entire world, he was about to establish who was the God of heaven and earth. How many know that Moses raised his hand before the power of God got released. You remember this? God said, Moses, raise your staff. And when you raise your staff, I'm going to part the waters. Watch this. How many know God did not need Moses to hold up a stick for this thing to go down? Right? But he was trying to show us something. He was trying to show us a picture of this partnership between himself and humanity. And even though it looks weak... <laughs> You're holding a stick in the air. God's like, I'm going to honor that, and I'm going to release my power. And that's what it looks like when we say yes to partnering him with, to, to bring the kingdom of God into someone's life. So I was in, I was in New York City uh, literally in the last 24 hours, and we were doing some teaching on uh, an equipping of, of these believers to be activated into mission, and then we ended up taking them out on the street because one thing we've learned is that there, there were three main components to Jesus' ministry. One was that he preached and he taught about the kingdom of God. How many agree with that? That Jesus preached and he taught about the kingdom of God. And we need to learn and come into understanding of, of kingdom principles. And he often taught in parables, of course. Um, and then he would, in private, unpack 
those parables to his disciples, which shows us that those who come close to him are going to have understanding, right? Those who draw close to him are going to receive revelation and wisdom about what, he's at, what, it, what his heart is. He, he lets people in on his heart as we draw close to him. And uh, <clears throat> so he preached and he taught about the kingdom. But the other thing that he did is he actually did the kingdom. He modeled the kingdom. Um, and, and in modeling the kingdom, there were several things that he did. He preached the gospel. How many agree Jesus preached the gospel? He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He made disciples. Are you with me so far? He did the stuff. He did the stuff that we read about in this book. He did it. And he didn't do it behind closed doors. He did it out in the open. He modeled it to them. And after he modeled it to them, <clears throat> the third component of his ministry was he activated them into it. And this is the freaky, scary part. Because I'm sure if you were a disciple and you watched this man do these incredible miracles, you're thinking to yourself, whoa, wait a minute. You're telling me I'm going to go do this stuff? I thought You're the big name speaker. <laughs> you're the guy with all the anointing. Like, we're your support team, bro. <laughs> right? Like, we're... And he's like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm going to leave, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to fill you with power to be my witnesses, to, to do the stuff, to preach the gospel, and heal the sick, and cast out demons, and raise the dead, and make disciples. You're the A-team. Your plan A, as scary as it is, your plan A. And I'm sure they were terrified. Like I was terrified the first time Jesus said, I'm sending you out. You know, when I, got, when I had an encounter with the Lord, when I came into the presence of God for the first time, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember I was on the phone with my, uh, the mother of my personal assistant, and my personal assistant had said, hey, do you want my mom to pray for you? And I'd been going through some things. How many know that oftentimes the path into the kingdom is through some shaking? Anybody ever experienced shaking in the context of being awakened to who Jesus is? Because the truth of the matter is, we, 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 we've got a lot of idols in our hearts. And unless they're shaking, those things don't fall down. And if those things don't fall down, we're not open to Jesus. You know, Jesus is like the last guy picked in the snowball dance. Okay? I mean, we'll dance with everybody else, but there's Jesus in the bleachers. And then if, if there's no other choice, we'll be like, okay, I suppose we'll dance with Jesus. <laughs> right? That's the way we are. It's the way we are. And so I had been going through some things. And, and so she asked if, 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 uh, if her mother should pray for me. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm going through some stuff, man. If God is real, I sure, I need some help. You know what I mean? It'd be nice if he showed up. But I don't know. And so she gave me the phone, and I told her a little bit of my story. And as she began to pray, this presence came over me. The power of God literally fell. How many know you can be across the country? She was in Florida. I was in Minneapolis. And the power of God is not hindered by distance or time, okay? She began to pray, and the pr this presence came over me from the top of my feet to the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Felt like liquid fire on the inside of me. Felt like love beyond anything I'd ever felt from a human being before, and peace and joy. And by the end of this prayer, I'm on my knees, literally fell to my knees, 
tears streaming down my face, and I knew in an instant I had not lived for God. I had actually been God of my own life, and I had just encountered the real God, and from that day forward, I was going to live for him. And I got up from that prayer and threw the marijuana and the alcohol away and realized after a few days that every four words wasn't a four-letter word. I said, something happened to me. <laughs> I'm not even sure what happened to me yet, but something happened to me. And then God brought me into the Gospels, and I started reading the Gospels. I knew I needed to read the Word. I, I bought a Bible. No one told me to do this. I just knew I needed to buy one, and I started to read the Gospels and go, wow, this Jesus seems important. Right? Turns out he is really important. And then I read the book of Acts, how the Spirit of God fell on the early followers of Jesus. And they came pouring out on the streets of Jerusalem. These are the same guys that were running and hiding from the Romans and the religious authorities only a few days further. But as the Spirit of God pours out and they burst out in the streets in the middle of the Passover celebration, Pentecost, and they began preaching with boldness, preaching the gospel, and the Spirit of God moved. 3,000 people came into the kingdom on that day. That's what happens when people get touched by the Spirit of God. So we were, you know, when God sent me, uh, so after that conversion experience, I didn't go and tell people about God because someone told me I had to. <laughs> no one, how many know that doesn't work, right? We're, we, if we're going to do this thing out of a religious obligation, it, we're going to get discouraged, disappointed, quit, not even want to engage in the thing. But that wasn't my motivation. My motivation was this thing changed my life. Like my life is radically transformed. People need to know about this. This Jesus is real. In fact, I was asking the question, why don't I have Christians rolling up on me telling me about this thing? Right? Why don't we have, we, we, what we should have, if this is true, if there's a day when every single human being is going to stand before God and answer and, and have one question asked about their life, the father's going to turn to the son and ask one question, do you know them? And as a result of the answer to that question, they're going to spend eternity with the Lord or eternity in eternal torment, separated from God. If that's true, then we should be telling everybody about this thing. And if God really is a good father whose leadership over our lives is better than our own, I mean, we, we don't have a problem telling people about good restaurants. <laughs> and how much, how, how much more infinitely important is this message than a good restaurant. So I, I just started to tell everybody who would listen to me about Jesus. I didn't even know how to do it. I'm going to be real with you guys. I had a lot of zeal and not a lot of wisdom. I don't know if you guys can relate with that storyline. When you first encountered the Lord. So I ran around telling everybody. I told my family. I told my friends. My sister came to Christ about three months after me. Um, she was, you know why? Because she was going through some stuff. She was going through some stuff. She was experiencing some shaking. And so when I shared with her my story, she was, her heart was totally open. She knew she needed help. I talked to my dad. It took about 18 months for my dad to surrender his life to the Lord because he had a Ph.D. How many know a Ph.D. can slow things down, but it can't stop things? 
You can't stop the gospel. You can't stop the gospel. That thing's been burning for 2,000 years and it's going to accomplish its purpose. So I started to see some people come to the Lord, but eventually I ran out of friends and family because I told everybody, why not? I mean, this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. This is, this is better than sex, better than drugs, better than money, better than career, better than flying around the world, you know, gathering all these exotic experiences. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me and ever could happen to me is I was actually brought back into relationship with the one who created me. I gotta tell people. So I ran out of, so I ran out of friends and family and God came to me one day and he said, okay, now I wanna teach you how to build relationships with people that you don't have relationship with. And I said, what does that look like? And said, just take my hand and trust me. And I was kind of freaked out. I, I don't know about you guys, but the thought of like rolling up on someone who's a total stranger and starting a conversation with them was pretty intimidating. Anybody ever experience fear in the context of sharing the gospel? Just quick show of hands, real quick. Leave them up. Turn around. Okay, look around. This is called the cloud of witnesses. Okay, it's, it's freaky. It's, it's, it's like, wow, is, this, is God really going to show up if I go start a conversation? But here's the cool part about this is that friendships, we're, we're, when we start a conversation with a stranger, when we approach someone in our workplace or in any context that we are going to release the kingdom of God, when we do that, we're literally one conversation away from a friendship. In fact, when I was in New York City yesterday, we went out on the streets and, uh, and we were just being led by the Spirit. I found out that being led by the Spirit is pretty important for this whole thing, right? Trying to do this without the Spirit is, is awkward at best and painful at worst. And, and John 6, 63 tells us why, because the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort comes to nothing. So here's the good news for you guys. We can't do this without the Lord. We can't do this without God. But me and this guy named Eric, I said, who do you think we should talk to next? And he locked eyes with this guy on the street. This is in Manhattan, in the financial district of Manhattan. So probably one of the wealthiest, even wealthier than Claremont. <laughs> okay? So we think that's, you know, it's hard ground when people have resource which can be true, you know, Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, not because of their money, but because of their self-dependence, because they don't feel like they need God. But he said, importantly, when he, when he was doing that teaching, he said, but with God, all things are possible. So we're talking to this guy who is, was walking into his high-rise Manhattan apartment, business guy, and we just started to chat him up, man, just love on him, talk to him. And he didn't know why, but he didn't go into his apartment and blow us off. He just started to engage us in the conversation. We found out that he was from Serbia. He had been a soldier in Serbia, now was a business guy here, grew up under communism, was an atheist. In fact, when he discerned that we were, you know, religious people, <laughs> you know, immediately he's like, hey, you guys, like, this always ends in an argument with me. You know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, but we just kept loving on him. We just kept loving him through it. We just kept kind of engaging his heart. And uh, 
we ended up spending 90 minutes with this guy. And he went from, he literally went from, you guys, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I've had arguments my whole life. I believe in science. To literally saying, I'm not ready to surrender to a God that he didn't believe existed 90 minutes earlier. How many know that's, that's a win for the kingdom? Okay? That's what God wants to do. That's what God wants to do. He wants to engage people. Then I was on the way to the airport, um, and I started to talk to this young man, John, uh, my Uber driver to the airport, and we start to have a conversation. Just asked him about his life. He said he's living with his girlfriend. He's living on his own in an apartment with his girlfriend. He's from the Dominican Republic. His mom was Catholic. He had a cross hanging in his, uh, in his Uber car. I said, what's that all about? He said, oh, my mom put it there. <laughs> I'm like, that, so where, where are you at on all that? He's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I believe in God. I just don't know if it's, if it's all that. And I just started to lay my story out for him. I said, I was kind of where you are. And, but then I had an encounter with, with Jesus, and it transformed my life. And, and I said, I'd like to pray that you'd have an encounter with Jesus. Is that okay? And right there as we're driving to JFK, I pray, and the Holy Spirit just drops in this car. He's like, wow, I can't believe this. I'm like, I know. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. And you can, he's like, it feels so good. I said, I know. I know. And he wants to live inside of you, but you need to surrender your life. And that's what I found out about the gospel. You know, as I was reading through the scriptures in, in, the, in those early days and reading this amazing meta-narrative of the scripture, it's a love story. You know, it's a story of a father who created a garden so that he could have fellowship with his children. And then his children began to have a conversation with darkness. Darkness came to his children and said, your father's actually holding out on you. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. And if you want to be like him, if you want to be like him, in fact, if you want to be him, you need to go outside of his boundaries and reach for life outside of the boundaries that he's established. And you guys know how that, how that went in Genesis chapter 3. And, and as a result of them believing a lie, because the truth of the matter was, you guys, we were made like him. We were like him already. We were made in his image. We were made to be like God. And, but darkness brought this lie to us that we believed that we weren't like him, and we need to reach outside of him to get fullness of life. And so we reached outside of him to get fullness of life, and darkness came into the earth. And the world that we're dealing with now, I'm talking about Vegas shooters. I'm talking about crazy North Korean nuke-wanting maniacs. I'm talking about ISIS and, and, and a million other things is the fruit. It's the direct fruit of 8 billion people going their own way. That's what we're, that's what we're dealing with. And, and that's why... <laughs> and that's, 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 a, that's why Jesus had to actually come. You know, Jesus had to come first. The Lord gave us the law. 
you remember this? In Exodus, Moses goes to the mountain and receives the law. And I'm convinced in my heart what God was after with the law was to show us that in our own self-righteousness, we could never get, make our way to him. That religion would never produce righteousness in our hearts. He's like, okay, you guys, you want to know how you can make things right with me? Go for it. Go for it. Everybody, anybody know how that went? Religion doesn't work. We can't do enough and be enough and get it all right and make enough New Year's resolutions to look good before the Lord. But he had to break us of that. He had to show us, okay, I'll give you a religion. Go. And once he was convinced that that witness was established in Scripture, then Jesus breaks in. Jesus breaks into humanity. And Jesus says, Beloved children, you'll never get fullness of life from sex, from porn, from adultery, from sexual immorality. You're never going to get fullness of life from sex. You're never going to get fullness of life from drugs. You're never going to get fullness of life from sports. You're never going to experience fullness of life from a career. You're never going to get fullness of life from having a lot of money and a lot of stuff. Beloved children, you're never going to have fullness of life from a religion. The only way to have fullness of life is to turn from being God of your own life and submit to the leadership of the Father. That's really what the gospel's all about. The gospel is all about calling wayward children back to submission to the leadership of the Father. Not, not submitting because we have to. That's not the kind of submission I feel like he's looking for. Submission because we realize that his leadership is better than ours. Submission because we realize his leadership is life-giving. That when we submit every area of our lives, our finances, our sexuality, and, and all these things to his leadership it actually is going to produce fullness of life. And that, at the end of the day, is why the gospel is so offensive. How many know the gospel is offensive to the carnal mind? Because essentially what God is calling us to do as the church is to not only live this thing out and submit ourselves to his leadership, but also to call others to do that. So basically, our assignment in the Lord, and Jesus said it this way in, in the Gospel of Luke, he said, my whole mission was to seek and save that which is lost. That's my, that was my, that's my mission. The Father sent me to the earth. Jesus came to the earth to bring lost people back into relationship with the Father. That's it. That's it. And then from that place, learn who they are and who he is and who one another is and start to get our identity back. Cultivate intimacy with him. That's what he was after. But, but how many know when you roll up on people and you basically, and this is, this is our message, hey, I know, you've been you know, I know that you've been God of your own life, but you need to actually stop that and turn and serve the real God. How many know that no matter how many love pillows we put out, that message is going to offend people's hearts? And so we need to be in a place where we know who we are and we're established in our identity so that we can partner with the Lord in this process. I'm here because 
I'm here this morning because the harvest is ripe. You guys, there literally are people waiting to come into the kingdom, like within a mile of this church. There's people who are literally waiting for someone to come up to them and talk to them about Jesus. And here's the crazy part. I feel like as a church, we've come under the lie that people aren't open to this thing. That's crazy, you guys. I just told you the story of a hardcore atheist who now knows that God is real and he's just doesn't, he's afraid, that's the real answer, he's afraid of surrendering because it's got implications. When you say Jesus is Lord, how many know that's got implications on your life? That means stuff's got to start lining up with his leadership. That's the whole gospel, right? But we've been fed this false narrative that people aren't open to this thing. Are you kidding me? People are dying. People are like lost in addiction. They're lost in brokenness. They've got so much money, they don't know what to do with it, and they're still empty. I don't even care if they've got an Armani suit on and a nice car. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean that there's fullness of life in that heart. And, and I feel like the Lord is saying to the church, I need you in this thing. This is not a spectator sport. I didn't save you so that you could come and, and be consumers two hours on a Sunday. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, church, it's time to put the popcorn down. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And not just sit and passively. This isn't why Jesus died exclusively. He did die for us to be in community and fellowship and sit under teaching. But he died so that we could become crazy missionaries and crazy lovers of God. And, go, and everywhere we go, the kingdom of God is breaking out. These stories that I'm telling you aren't because I'm, you know, of some, it's not just for super intergalactic apostolic guys, right? I can't think of like more elaborate name to slap on it because just to show the absurdity of it. It's, it's, for, it's, for, it's for believers like you and me who just sit in simple obedience say, Jesus, Father, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. But before he left, and I want to look at a couple of those passages, he, he left us with a commission. Mark 16, 15 is one of them. Can you go there with me? Mark 16, 15. Now, this is at the end of the gospel of Mark. Jesus has gone to the cross He's gone to the cross. He went into the grave. He snatched the keys of death and hell from the evil one. And he appeared to his disciples. And now he's getting ready to ascend, to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And he says this in Mark chapter 16. Are you there with me? Preach the gospel to everything that moves. That's my remix. But I think you'll agree that it's, it's in alignment with the spirit of the text. Preach the gospel to everything that moves. And then in Matthew 28, go there with me, Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Jesus is again, it's this picture of him getting ready to ascend and be at the right hand of the Father, and he says to his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Wow. 
Who talks like that? Anybody? Anybody heard Buddha say that or Mohammed? Only Jesus. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Do I have your attention? Now that I do, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey because that's what good sons and daughters do. They obey out of their love for their father. That's what they do. That's what we do when we're sons. Not because we have to do it, but because we get to do it. We get to do it. And I think it's really clear from the context, but I think we need to hear this, particularly in the Western church, that when he said, go and make disciples to these few that were gathered there, and of course to all disciples from all time, I think it's really clear from the context that what he was saying, what he wasn't saying was, hey, you ones that are going to follow me, form small groups and disciple each other until I get back. I don't think that's what he was saying. I think what he was saying was go out there where they haven't heard about me and preach the gospel to everything that moves. And as my grace falls, how many have heard of this crazy grace thing? You guys been listening to this crazy grace message? Well, one of the functions of grace is that it empowers us to actually do the will of the Father. Because we can't do this by our own power. I've got good news for you in a minute. Like, you can't do this without Jesus. But he does want us to come before him and acknowledge, wow, God, I'm, this isn't the reality of my life, but I say yes to this. Would you do whatever it takes? So he says here, preach the gospel to everything that moves. And when my grace comes and people's hearts are open to me and they begin to respond to the message and surrender their lives to me, I want you to come alongside them and love on them and be family to them and teach them how to walk as sons and daughters. That's what he says. That's, that's the great commission. And it flows right out of the great commandments to love God. How many know if you love God, you're going to tell people about Jesus? <laughs> because he really loves people. And how many know if you love people, you're going to tell people about Jesus? If you really love them, I mean, there's so many ways to love them. I know that you have some messengers in your midst that are all about demonstrating the, you know, the kindness of God. And I believe in that wholeheartedly. We should rake people's yards and we should clean their bathrooms and we should open the door for people and we should do all these things but I think the greatest most eternally significant way that we can love people is to introduce them to the source of all love amen amen, amen. so where where is all this going because I feel like <clears throat> the Lord is really wanting to create spaces where we as a church can see this lifestyle modeled, this Jesus lifestyle. How many know everywhere he went, he released the kingdom of God? How many know the apostles? That's how they lived. Okay, the early believers, this was biblically normative. And I think in so many ways we've drifted so far from biblical normative, we don't even know how to get there. And I feel like God is presenting opportunities for us as a church to say yes to this thing. And that's why I want to talk to you for a minute before I give you a chance to respond to this, to this call that I believe is going out all over the body of Christ in America. Because America needs Jesus, you guys. Jesus is literally the answer to every problem that's facing our nation. He's the solution to every issue. It really is Jesus. We have it. 
inside of us. And it's time for the church to come out of the closet on this thing. You know, people are literally dying waiting for this church to rise up. And the good news is it's happening. It is happening. So um, at the end of this month, October 28th to November 4th, um, we're going to be, we've been, we've been calling believers from all over the city, all over Los Angeles. We'll be bringing folks from all over the United States. Um, I think we'll have about 1,000 workers, 1,000 messengers that are going to come together for a week of 24-7 worship and prayer. 24-7 worship and prayer. Why? Because that's what's going on in heaven right now. <laughs> Something shifts in the atmosphere when 24-7 worship and prayer happens. Mission actually gets easy. You don't have to talk somebody into the kingdom because the presence of God is there and he's moving on their heart and you can just explain to them what's happening. So the citywide church is gonna come together for a week of 24-7 in Pasadena, worship and prayer. And then from that place, we're gonna send teams out all over LA to Inland Empire, to Claremont, to Pomona, to downtown, to the beaches, all over Los Angeles to do what? Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons and raise the dead and make disciples on the back end of this thing, okay? To do the stuff, you guys. Here's the crazy part. We've got folks that have been in church for 20 years and they're still not doing the stuff. I, I think it's go time. I think it's go time. So I feel like the Lord is inviting us into this and I think our team, has our team handed those out yet? Okay, so does everybody have one of those blue Love LA flyers? Can you guys hold them up just so we can see them? Okay. Here's what I want to say, and then I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond to this. I know that most of you are probably not called to be street evangelists, and I should get a hallelujah and an amen out of a lot of you. I know that most of you probably aren't called to that as a full-time vocational ministry. But here's what I've learned. What I've learned is that that type of ministry is a really good classroom for the church. It's the same classroom that Jesus used to break fear off of us, to break apathy off of us, to break dullness off of our hearts and actually get us in front of real live lost people, not just being around them, but actually being around them on mission. And something happens when you're standing between Jesus and people that he's trying to love. When you're standing between Jesus and people he's trying to love, your heart gets transformed. It actually gets transformed out there, ministering to the people that he's pursuing and calling back to himself. The other thing that happens is you cultivate a real dependence on the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, it's going to be really awkward really painful. So we need him to come. And the cool part, the good news is he does come. He wants to do this thing. He's way more committed to this than, than we are. And so I, I believe the Lord is presenting to you guys as a church an opportunity to see this lifestyle modeled. Because if you can roll up to someone in downtown LA that's six foot four and tatted all over, who doesn't look like he wants to hear your cute little Jesus story, and you can see the Holy Spirit move on someone like that because he will if the Lord leads you to that guy. Then it's pretty easy to invite your neighbor for coffee and actually have the conversation. Are you with me? You see how this works?
Okay, so I, I get it. I understand the crazy fears that rise up inside of us. I've had to face every single one of them. But I feel like love compels us to say yes to this thing. So I, I could do an altar call, and I am going to let you stand up if you feel like the Lord is talking to you about this thing and saying, hey, I, I need you in this thing. I need you to say yes to this thing. I need you to come off the sidelines. I need you to, I want to, some of you maybe are already walking in this, and you're 30-fold, you're, you're and the Lord wants to bring you to 100-fold. Others, maybe you, this is like a foreign idea to you that we'd actually be doing the stuff as a lifestyle, but I feel like God has created this space for you to be able to taste and see this life is what we were made for. You guys, we were made for this. You were made to love God. You were made to love people. You were made to preach the gospel. You were created to make disciples, and when you begin to operate in this, you're going to experience fullness of life. A lot of times as a church, I think we're depressed and we got all these other issues going on because we actually are just navel-gazing too much. And we need to get out there and just go love on some other people. And, and, and the other thing is it starts to give you perspective because you start to realize your problems really aren't that bad. Amen? Okay. So I am going to ask you... If you, you, you don't have to, if you don't feel led by the Lord to do this, you're not feeling that unction, but if you are, I want to ask you to stand because I'd like to pray for you that the Lord would come and just give you grace to say yes to what he's actually calling you into with the Great Commission, okay? And as you stand, I'm going to also ask you guys uh, to be prayerful about, because it only takes 10 calories to stand up. How many know that's not the really costly altar call? The costly altar call is the simple step of obedience to actually fill out the form and say, God, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to say yes to you because I want to see this modeled and I want to be equipped to actually live a Jesus lifestyle in my life. Amen? That's the actual costly. And when you do that, we'll send you an email um, about some live trainings that are coming up. There's a couple of them. One's going to be, I think, in the Inland uh, Empire, even this next week, and then there'll be another one in Pasadena uh, on Saturday, okay? And then 24-7 then kicks off, and you can jump in all week. All right. So I'm just going to ask right now, would you stand up if you, if you feel God calling you to say yes to this Great Commission thing? Okay? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I know that you're calling all of us to this great commission thing. That you didn't reveal yourself to us just to, just so that we could be saved. Just so that we could know you, but that we would know you and in knowing you, we would know your heart for others. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm just asking that you would come and take these few loaves and fishes and that you would multiply them and that you would feed thousands through this house. I'm praying that you would activate your church in a real way into this lifestyle of walking in identity and intimacy and mission, that you would come and do something eternal in their hearts, that you would come and shift something in their hearts that we would realize, God, we weren't created 
just to go to the grocery store and the post office and to make our way through life, but instead we were actually called to go and to release the kingdom of God, and while that's happening, we'll get our groceries. I'm asking, Lord, that you'd make that shift in your church, that you would transition us from spectators and consumers to active partners with you in this eternal, amazing mission. Jesus, you are coming. Jesus, you are shaking the earth right now. I'm praying that you would break off dullness. I'm praying that you would break off the spirit of the age. I'm praying that you would open our hearts and cause us to see this is the main thing, that you are burning for this, that your babies are separated from you and you are calling them back home and time is running out. I'm asking God that you would do something in our midst, that you'd release grace, grace, God, grace to say yes to you. I'm asking that you would meet each of these ones with their weak yes and turn it into something eternal. We're asking that Jesus would be made famous in Los Angeles and in Claremont and in the cities of America, God, that you wouldn't leave us a sleepy church, but that you would awaken us and cause us to partner with you and the saints in the nations to bring in the largest harvest the world has ever seen. In Jesus' name. Amen.